Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, one of your other hosts. And the only other one this time. Mm -hmm. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. I love that, uh, James, you're like a podcast uh, sandwich. You're like, what it is, is, is you've got, like, you frequently have the flimsiest bread on the beginning and ending, but the meat and like the condiments and all the other stuff, the stuff in the middle, you got that shit down, baby. But then you're just sort of like, and I guess I'll put a slice (laughs) of bread here. Aaron and I, Aaron and my show is unabashedly obsessed and like the minute shows uh, have crippled me. (laughs) <laughs> frankly uh-huh okay like there's a, a a a solid beginning and end to those that are like unabashedly obsessed it was a thing to do like we like it right. was like and now it's time to do this this is like is there a guest are we being funny with it are we saying something did you remember the other right thing into it yeah, exactly. Did you remember like, that you're the only host, or are, are you, or the only other one, rather? The only right. host? James, sorry, you're off the show for this one. Hey, folks, it's Tough just you that. and me. <laughs> Tough, but fair. Yeah, you know, I guess I can go with that. Uh, listen, uh, James, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Agent Carter, season one, episode seven. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to give you a timestamp. Please. Uh, which is nine minutes on the dot, going yes. through 3646. Absolutely. Now, uh, I do want to specify that I did break this timeline or this time segment um, in my notes into three separate sections. Okay, that Um, makes sense. Mostly because especially like the last section, especially, I really kind of only want to focus on that part once we get to it. Sure. Um, uh, Because like this is, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a bit of a, I guess like a peek behind the curtain for me. Uh, This is one of those scenes where I think in season one this was one of like my top five scenes that we're gonna get into. Yeah. Uh and when I say top five, I feel like a lot of the times people expect top five to be all like the cool shit, all mm. the fancy stuff, the funniest moments. But this was, I think, uh one of the best emotional moments of the whole show. And it felt deserved. And what I mean by that is, is like sometimes people would try and give you like, you know, uh, heartbreak or whatever. And it's like, we weren't there yet. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we we really need to, uh, I think, kind of touch on that part. Absolutely. Um, I did notice while I was uh, looking at like, uh, you know, who was who in Avengers Ensemble stuff that uh, this is the highest rated episode of of Agent Carter from either season. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that makes sense. I think yeah. that there's a lot of uh, good that happens in other episodes, but I mean, like, yeah. uh, and even in the next one, for example, like, I think there's a yeah. good like payoff for all of yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I think it reminds me of also of how like there's some really great payoff in Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. But Infinity War had so much huge emotion, right? Yep. That I think that that's the reason why that one's then higher rated, right? Absolutely. Yep. Um, plus, there's also not some kind of slightly confusing time stuff. So you know, anyway, uh, time right. is weird. Okay, is let's it? get into uh, this time though, shall we? Oh, yes, please. How I did that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dottie Underwood goes shopping for a baby carriage. 
uh, immediately I broke off in my own notes and said, there is an intensity in her eyes in this scene that to me begins to feel like she's unraveling at her seams of like yeah. her acting and lying. You know, she's like kind of not anxious, but like, she's like chomping at the bit to just get to the end of the mission. She's like, Ooh, mm-hmm. it's so juicy. It's almost here. I'm just, I'm so excited. So like when she looks at the clerk in the eyes and they have a conversation her face or her smile is something that says like, Oh, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm this person, but her eyes are like fucking dead Yeah, and it is frightening. Yeah. Um, so she buys the one that she likes and gets a blanket crossing her fingers for pink. Uh, you must be getting along. Oh, no, sorry. You must be getting an early jump on things. You don't look very far along, which first of all, you can't just say that to people to be clear. But also she's not wrong because Dottie isn't pregnant. So, right. you know, Dottie then turns turns her back and then under her breath is like, it's coming sooner than you think. Fucking great evil yeah. ass line. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. So back at the SSR, Jack takes his previous deal with Carter off the table. I mean, <laughs> okay. I didn't write the, the line, but I want to point out that it's really fucking funny, this exchange. He goes, Carter, listen, you know, like... I don't think he says we got to talk, but it has that tone. And then he just goes, my previous deal, it's off the table. And she goes, that's all right. I wasn't going to take it. And it's (laughs) unbelievable, right? It's so good. Like, she's just so quick with it. Oh, that's all right. I wasn't going to take it. Thompson tells her that in a minute that Dooley is going to be uh, pulling him from the room and telling him to do something that he doesn't want to do. He pleads his case with her saying, Peggy, you've watched me on the other side of that glass. You know what I'm capable of. She reminds him that he knows what she is capable of. At this moment, Jarvis enters the building. He is very cool and collected. He is carrying himself like, oh, yes, I am the hero. Welcome, Jarvis. Like, enter stage left Jarvis, right? Uh, He tells the operators in the room that he would like to speak with Dooley. Throughout this scene, everyone just kind of slowly stops what they're doing. And like uh, Rose has her hand under the desk on like a gun. And she's like, I don't know what you mean, sir. And he's like, I mean, I've been here before. I've been interrogated. Right. Like, and she clearly would have seen him. So it's like really weird that she's like, I don't know you. What's happening? Right. They have a little yeah. back and forth. And eventually, you know, while they're all playing innocent, he says, well, just go ahead and, you know, dial into your little board and bring up, you know, uh, Chief Dooley. And he holds up his uh, his briefcase and says, uh, tell him that Edwin Jarvis is here and that I have a signed confession from Howard Stark. Everybody on this note completely stops. And then, boop, hold, please. Great line. <laughs> Jarvis uh, asks to make sure that Peggy is fine. She's brought into the, you know, to the conference room. Uh, Jarvis has, of course, brought a confession that paints Peggy as this star-crossed lover with a little bit of, you know, uh, bankruptcy sprinkled on top, which that's a later line. But like, she's like, oh, yes, very good play. Right. Um, they're very British in that in, in some of their scenes yeah. here together. It's it's lovely. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, she's the star-crossed lover and Stark faked the theft of his items and blah, blah, blah. Stark's attorney uh, has the signed page and they will get it once Stark's terms have been met. Uh, including that Jarvis and Peggy are free. Peggy asks if she has any say in this matter. Dooley tells her that she had plenty of opportunity to talk. Dooley does not accept the terms and and sets forth new parameters, which is great because Jarvis's face is clearly like, uh, uh, oh, I didn't think, mm, mm." (laughs) Jarvis ensures uh, that Peggy will be free. 
Dooley tells them that when Stark walks through those doors, she's free to walk out the door forever. Carter, you're out of the SSR. Thompson, Carter, and Sousa all reflect on that statement individually. None of them look happy with it. Peggy then empties out her desk, and Sousa tells people in the bullpen to not take her out of their sight. Peggy is oddly calm about everything as Jarvis apologizes. She knows that he panicked and was only trying to help, and he states that you know he had called for backup multiple times. And she talks about the, the signed confession from Howard Stark, and there's a brief pause. It starts to fall apart as she recognizes that Stark did not actually write the confession. Did you write that confession, Mr. Jarvis? And when he confirms, now she's mad. <laughs> ooh, ooh, she goes from being like, huh, you two made a play, I understand. Then she's like, oh, ooh, and they begin to bicker about what will come next for them. In Dooley's office, Dooley is talking with his wife on the phone, trying not to be fully overheard by Ivchenko. Uh, Dooley apologizes for burying himself in his job, for thinking of leaving, and he doesn't want to do that anymore. He asks if he can come home to see her and the kids and just talk. He promises that he'll get out of the uh, office for you know just an hour or two and, and to come do this. Then when he hangs up, Evchenko asks how he felt about all of that. They have a brief heart-to-heart, and at the end of it, Dooley says that he owes him. Evchenko says that he's just happy to help. Dooley steps outside to talk to Sousa. Peggy and Jarvis have a fun back and forth when Carter notices that Evchenko is at the window. She begins to write down his Morse code. Jarvis immediately begins reading over her shoulder. Prepare for evacuation. You know Morse code. Your surprise wounds me. Evchenko then taps out a timetable. Leviathan is coming. Okay, that's that's Act One of of this uh, clip, which is this funny enough. I'm calling it Act One so and Act much. Two, Act Three, and it's technically not yeah. even the full episode, but it is kind of yeah. of this segment, right? Oh, for sure. So that's Act One. This episode has literally every. This episode is one the most like a comic book mm-hmm. in that it has yes. like, and two, it literally has like it has my favorite like ooh dastardly plan, which we're we're gonna get to. Mm-hmm. It has great character moments. Plus my second favorite dastardly plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. It has this amazing thing where she sees across the way him doing the Morse code. Jarvis reading the Morse code over her. Sh- oh, it's just everything is this episode rules so hard. It, I mean, it, for sure. I mean, it has uh, action sequences. It has uh, spy shit. It has like yes. double spy shit. Right. It has uh, intrigue. It has like. I mean, again, like heartbreak and like like emotional moments. Um, it has like betrayal. It has. I mean, it has so yeah. much all encompassed mm. in one thing. And like, I think it's. I in a way though, it's very clear that this is like the season is coming to an end. Yep. Right, because everything that we've been building up to has it, it's coming to a head. Right. In fact, this this really is the head. Absolutely. Which sounds like a weird thing to say, but then the next episode has to be the conclusion. Right. Of like. Everything yep. has to reach that moment where you go, and now we resolve it. Yep. Um, and this is going to be that final push, right? Uh, I think something. There's something fascinating about this uh, section, though, and I want to know what your thoughts on are. Yep. No, me just again. Uh, what the thoughts are on this? Because we had a discussion not that long ago mm. about the fact that uh, she gets a rifle. Dottie, I mean, sorry. Mm-hmm. Dottie gets a rifle. 
uh, and she aims it at the window and all this other stuff. And she's using that uh, to originally she's going to take out uh, Dooley, but he's like, oh, mm. he won't come to the window, blah, blah, blah. Here's a new plan, right? And she uses that to watch his hand and all that other stuff. Tell me, though, why she is across the street, you know, higher than he is. And in this scene, the rifle is leaning against the wall and she is just from across the street still reading his uh, Morse code. Is that because she doesn't have to? She It's a it's a uh, listen, don't talk sort of situation. Where it's Maybe, like, but I'll be... do you think you could see from that far away? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it, I mean it's a timetable. Yeah, because I, I mean, there's there's like a whole ass conversation. My favorite thing about that, right, is like they they only catch the part that's like prepare for evacuation. Here's the new timetable, uh, and like Leviathan is coming. Right, there's at least a paragraph. That yeah. they miss in the process of her going. Oh, what is? Wait, what, what is he doing? Oh, hang on, let me get a pad and pen and start writing. Yeah, you know, like there's there's some stuff they missed and- on the phone with his wife. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this guy is ridiculous. And what then she's like, simp? "LMAO." <laughs> He's like, "What a simp!" And she's like, "What is that?" <laughs> he type types back, "Oh, that's right. You don't have TikTok. I'll explain it in the car." Uh, but there's also a great one where the kid's like running and the mom's like, what do you have? And he's like, a knife. And she goes, no. Then she taps back to him. Get back on target. Oh, right. <laughs> Prepare for evacuation. And that's when they come into the conversation. Um, I have a bunch of uh, of of Tumblr screenshots. Well, Facebook collaborated Tumblr screenshots to send you about some stuff. Cut that. It was a quick thing. I saved you Ooh, a whole bunch of what? stuff that I haven't sent it to yet. Uh, but I was just like screenshotting like about the hell from out of this. Uh, it's related to it's. Ba- it, there's a bunch of things. It's basically like uh, Tumblr imagined uh, scenes from like uh, Marvel movies mm-hmm. that never happened, but should have and were and are perfect anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole running thing of Steve has read enough of American pop culture that he understands like Vine references and TikTok references, and so it'll be like um, this. Oh, what is it? This bitch empty, and he just looks up. It's like yeet, mm-hmm. and like that's all these things. <laughs> yeah, it's and so I'll send it to you. Not even worth a tangent. I I was gonna say, well, yeah, maybe, but I will say I have a new like need for like a scene in which, uh, Cap throws the uh, shield, saying yeah. yeet, and uh, Banner goes, I still don't understand what this means, and he goes, you know, like. How are you the smartest one in the room and you you don't get it and I do? Like something along those lines. Like just right. some sort of either that or like he goes, Yeet, right? And Falcon being like, We like it's not actually that popular anymore. Like that did go out of like it's not oh, okay. Never yeah. mind, Steve. You're, 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 are you referencing Leet Brannis from that early case of Peggy Carter's? What? No. What? what? It's a vine. <laughs> yeah. No, Yeet, not Leet. Oh, oh. my bad. Oh. But I am the lead. What? <laughs> mm. He's like, I play Halo all the time. I'm lead uh, one three three seven. <laughs> lead talk. Anyway, uh, okay. So we all broke right. our our new rule. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, okay. So do we have anything for 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 the rest of this though? Because you know we we talked a little bit about how much it's already you know like a comic book. I mean, really, the whole yeah. thing is. But you know, we got into some of this stuff. Is there anything in particular that we've 
talked about so far that we really want to do any more diving into? I mean, the 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 bluffs are being tossed up and shot down left and right in this mm-hmm. first part of the episode. When when Thompson says that deal's off the table, and she's like, "That's fine, I wasn't going to take it." Oh, to have the confidence of Peggy Carter is my only thing. Like, one hundred percent, the deal being taken off the table. I'm not even there's I'm not there's not even a table. I'm not even a, experiencing a table situation, and that stresses me out. To have it be like deals off the table. I'm like, oh god, but what about the deal? And she's like, I don't care. I I really could not even care less. It's I don't even need to remind myself stiff up stiff upper lip. I have that right now. It's fine. Oh no, my deal, it's broken. And she's <laughs> like, I don't get that one. He's like, oh god, Peggy, come on. <laughs> they definitely referenced that one on the on the thing I had, and uh, <laughs> really, I, I awesome. don't, I I I don't get that. <laughs> the oh no, our table is broken. Yeah, I don't. I'll think. Send oh, maybe the they clip. don't reference it. Maybe they don't reference it. I don't know. I'll send you. There the were clip. there were a number of ones that I was like, yeah, I have a vague recollection of what that one is. <laughs> Roadwork ahead. Uh, yeah, I sure hope it does. Oh, you know that one's yeah, on there. I, you know that one. There's a there's a I know vines and I know some TikToks, but there's like a, a an area in the middle where mm. I'm I'm a little lost sometimes. A little, a little it's a little vague. Uh, and you know what's not vague though is this Ooh, next section of the episode. What a segue! Thank you. Not my best, but I'm I'm getting there. Also, I hope everyone's enjoying my dulcet tones today. I uh, have been very loud the last couple of days, and I've definitely lost my voice a bit. Oh, why? Uh, well, since you're asking, today is Sunday, November twentieth, uh, and I did go to a Bills game today uh, at a Bills backer bar. Up in Baltimore, uh, a lot of bees here. Quadruple B. Um, it was a yeah, QB. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, and it was great. It was a win. Uh, but I went with the Burger Boys. It's a whole thing. It's unrelated. But uh, yeah. It Wait, was, uh, you went to a Bills backer? What is it? So it, uh, I know what you're referencing, which is the the caption, which is on both my uh, Twitter no, 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 and no. also on. What's that? I was just uh, you went to what? What's the thing that? What's the event called? Okay, so like what it is is it is a like a place that mm. uh, is called the Admirals uh, Cup, um, mm-hmm. but they are they are a Bills backer bar, um, which okay. is like a common thing. It's not just for Bills, right? Like these sorts of things happen all right. across the United States. It's like a bar that backs a team that's not local. Sure. So you went to a Bills backer bar in Baltimore with the Burger Boys mm-hmm. because they're witness to a Bill victory. Wait. Yep. No, that's right. by a billion. Uh, uh, gotcha. There you go. Uh, no, but like, you know, of course, then when you score and everything like that, there's a shout and sure. chant and stuff like that. And sure. Screaming. And also it's loud. So you're when you're talking to people, you're kind of like, hey, I'm telling you this thing. And, you know, all that other stuff. So right. that's why I sound a little rough today. But hopefully people aren't like, who is this guy on the podcast with James? Um, OK, uh, let's get to the next section, though, please, uh, because like the bills. We've got a victory to get to. Um, I don't know. That was not. I Okay. That one was bad. Hmm. <laughs> Cut that one. Okay. <laughs> Carter steps out. Hmm? Okay. Carter steps outside of the conference room and reveals that she knows that the admission from Stark is a phony and that he won't be coming, but she will give a confession right now if they'll talk with her. We cut to the end of their conversation, which, God, I appreciate stuff like that, where it's like, fast forward 10 minutes when I'm telling you, because like we, as the viewer, we've already seen the whole story. Right. Uh, and she uh, cuts to the end of the conversation, and she mentions how she found all the remaining items from Stark's fault, but there was nothing she could do about it. She knew Sousa was working that night, so she called to make sure that he got the credit. 
Uh, she didn't know that what, uh, what was going to happen to Krasminski was going to happen, and she's going to have to live with that for the rest of her life. Why are you telling me this? Uh, or sorry, why are you telling us all this? Because I need you to trust me when I tell you about Dr. Evchenko. Oh, the evil enemy scientist? <laughs> yeah, he's a real killer. And then she talks about all his Morse code, where his partner would be, things like that, right? Dooley, of course, doesn't want to believe this. Sure. It makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, Sousa gets a snarky remark in there that clearly stings Carter. Then they ask why she did her own investigation instead of going to them. I conducted my own investigation because no one listens to me. I got away with it because no one looks at me. Because unless I have your reports, coffee, or lunch, I'm invisible. This line gets through to Jack and Daniel, which is weird because I've always called them Thompson and Sousa. Right. And I'm realizing that in this exact moment. Um, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels, yeah. No, but it gets through to them. Like, there's a very clear moment where their faces change. Yeah. Dooley is struggling to believe. Yeah. Carter then plays her ace in the hole, the Blitzkrieg button. Mm. And when she shows them and they have the conversation, they recognize that her motivations ring true. You see the look on people's faces as their perceptions fully change. They have a sidebar to discuss it, right? Dooley elects that they take a moment to think about it and by, you know, and to kind of, you know, investigate to see if, you know, what she said uh, rings true. I shouldn't say rings true because I literally just said that. I part added that part in just now. Um, Dooley says, you know, like, let's kind of think about it a little bit. Like, you go check on her claim. Like, you know, what's the worst that could happen, right? Uh, he doesn't quite say it like that, but you get what I'm saying, right? Right. So they go across the street uh, to check this out as he goes back to babysit the doctor. But the doctor, unfortunately, gets the mental drop on Dooley. He begins asking him questions about his family, how he wants tonight to go, and has him focus on a memory. Dooley, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's not, uh, but, but it's, you know, it's too late. Dooley begins to talk of their traditions, and we see this beautiful tableau of his family memories. Uh, this progresses more and more uh, until finally Dooley, you know, is clearly enthralled right Dooley goes to carter and pulls her and jarvis to another room you know he's like you know we gotta go you know you two with me and they're like what's going on can't talk here there's ears everywhere uh they walk down the hall and he takes them into an interrogation room and of course betrays them he locks them in the room and breaks the key someone looks down the hall and notices as they're banging on the door Dooley, no and he's like uh She's about to crack. I give her five minutes. The guy's like, ha, yeah, you got him, chief, right? Uh, And he breaks the key in the door and walks off. Uh, He goes to the lab with Ivchenko, and he dismisses all the scientists there. Uh, Then they look through all of the stick tark. They look through all of the stark tech together. In the process of finding what Ivchenko needs, they come across a vest that Ivchenko is very happy to see. Uh, he, you know, is kind of like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't touch that. That's very delicate, but keep looking. They then find item number 17 and they open it up and he goes, yes, that is the item that I want. Across the street, Dottie and Sousa tussle. Mm. Sousa nearly shoots her and she makes a run for it. Sousa then warns the other agents, you know, she's coming down the stairs really fast. Uh, but that. Still uh, is not quite enough, I guess, because she does kill one of them on her way out. 
And that's where I broke this uh, second section. Okay. Uh, first of all, in my notes, in all caps, I wrote, um, I wrote, God damn the way she gets down the stairs. It is the badassest, most badass thing she does. It's like some, I don't even know. Like I forget what that's called, but it there's a like, like parkour, parkour thing. It's yeah. kind of like parkour, but there's like a specific term for when you essentially leap across uh, items, and it's kind of like wall jumping in a way. Yeah, but it's it's like wall jumping down. It looks so, so she cool. she leaps to one banister and then basically does a one eighty and leaps you know in the other direction so that as she's falling she lands onto the next railing. So she just kind of keeps doing that and kind of ping-ponging back and forth until she reaches the bottom floor. It's such a shocking thing. And, I, and like, in, like, an amazing way. But, like, then you look mm-hmm. at Sousa. And poor Sousa. Yeah. I mean, in any number of ways. You know. Um, one of the... Uh, sorry, I, I do want to say, speaking of the poor Sousa thing, I think one of the funniest things about this exchange, though, between them, is that when he's searching that floor... He's kind of looking around, and at one point, she's like, oh, there's someone on this floor. So she kind of backs up. Yeah. And he looks through a window <laughs> like that's like a frosted glass and sees her shadow. So yeah. he's like, oh, there is someone up here. So then he goes to hide. Why did this man then hide in a spot that has a light source behind it to do the exact same fucking thing? They both fell for the same problem, essentially, or both revealed themselves in the exact same way. I can't tell if that was... Like, just a brief moment of someone going, oh, I can't believe we wrote that into both of them. Shit. Right. I meant to only do it with one. I, there was a misunderstanding or whatever. Or if someone was like, no, this will be great. It'll be a fun exchange. And it's like, well, but they both did it? <laughs> they, they, they're they both doing this. This is standing okay. there like, this feels familiar and in not a good way. Right. All right. Well, anyways, it's probably fine. <laughs> right. There's a nagging feeling in the back of my head, and I can't quite place it. Uh, I also ooh, did I can't like look a, that way. It hurts my eyes. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, the light. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's casting into my eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, the exchange between Thompson and Sousa on the elevator is so good. So you believe her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. Sincere Thompson is like my my favorite Thompson. Like, I, I you know, yeah, me too. Like, yeah, just, we've we've talked about. A little bit in in previous episodes about like his character arc of like when he's not like kissing ass and like trying to sort of be you know teacher's pet and like be like the number one like golden boy in the room yeah when he actually takes a moment to like connect with the people around him like it's it's mm, I I, I, I'm not saying that they didn't know what to do with him right because again I think Mm. that this is part of the conflict of like the will they won't they have a love triangle situation but like there's something fascinating about how like he i don't know what the word for it is like he he sort of flip flops a little bit with with some of this stuff but like in a way that is then also makes you kind of be like oh well this part's endearing and i, I don't know right it, i mean i i hope they weren't intending to write that we might think that peggy might get together with jack thompson cuz it they did a bad they did a bad job if I don't that was... think that. Sorry, what, what I, sh- I should specify something. What I think is that I don't think we were ever going to see her romantically involved, like truly, like fully with either of them. 
I think the concept was going to, uh, I mean, the way that I sort of read some of these scenes mm. is there are times where, you know, because at one point Thompson's kind of teasing Sousa for like having a little crush. Right. But like the way he does it, it almost makes it sound like, you know, he's jealous. Right. Right. It's almost like I'm trying to cover up the fact that I also mm, have a crush. Protest too much. And I, stuff. Yes. And I, I think that w- when I say love triangle, I think it's the situation of like, you know, she does need to say goodbye to Rogers. Right. She does need to move on. But like, is she going to be ready to do so? And if she is, if she, is she going to be ready to do so with either of these two people? Right. And at the same time, are these two like thinking that they can actually, you know, convince her essentially to have it? So when I say love triangle, it's not like, okay, Jack is in love with Sousa and Sousa is in love with uh, her and she's in love with Jack, right? Like not that type of love triangle. It's more of there are three people who kind of maybe have emotions for at least one other person in the right. in the thing. And it's like tense because no one really knows what any of them want or are going for right because they're not talking about it <laughs> right hey and speaking of not talking about it segue segue yeah um i can't help but think about how roger dooley wouldn't have succumbed to ivchenko's hypnotism so hard if he had gone to therapy or if toxic masculinity wasn't so prevalent in the 1940s where he probably never talked to anyone about his home life he probably was dealing with that stuff on his own almost all the time maybe when he got drunk he would talk to a friend about it but like in an honest sort of sober maybe a drink in hand but like not getting drunk so that you can open up but like he gives this trust to Ivchenko and it has to feel so good to get some stuff off his chest Mm mm-hmm and opening up like that isn't, you know, masculine or whatever. So, Ivchenko has this like, this comfort for him that he can that he can that I feel like has because I'm sitting there like I would be so uncomfortable if my therapist was sitting in my office and asking me about stuff, and he wasn't even his therapist. Like, if just some random right. psychologist was like. So what was that call about? I'd be like, uh, it was about none of your business. I'm not sure. I, I, mm, okay. So I fully agree with you. Right. But I think the thing to consider also in this situation, uh, yeah. to, to kind of the, to, mm, I don't want to say to give the benefit of the doubt to Dooley. Right. But I think that this is also supposed to be a little bit of like a moment of like, even the strongest people have some sort of vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. Because, okay, remind me again, because we recorded some things out of order. Have we actually talked about the Yalk the conversation? We Yes, we talked about it on Friday. Yeah, that was episode 18. Right, but I, right, but did we actually talk? We didn't actually, we, sorry, we, we've covered the scene. We haven't, we didn't talk about, um, Okay. Like, okay. That, we that's didn't talk about it in okay. depth. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. I, I had to try to remind myself of that because sometimes yeah. again it gets just a little, just a little confusing. Oh, for I, sure. For sure. For sure. I think it's that thing of you know. Again, we talked a little bit about like the Jedi mind trick type situation, right? Sure. But like in this regard, this isn't like a mystical force necessarily, right? Right. Um, 
I I think that it's that situation of like Yauk seems like a, an easy target, right? Sure. So in a way, it's kind of like, okay, he's got Yauk, but he couldn't possibly get, and then you kind of get to Dooley, and you're like, oh, no. Oh, actually, this guy's dangerous as hell. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, I mean, I, I do think you're 100% correct on right. the therapy and the toxic masculinity and not sharing things. But, like, I also do think that even if he wasn't having oh, home life yeah. issues, I think Fenhoff slash Evchenko still could have gotten him. Absolutely. 100%. Um, His, it, that, and you're right. That's what makes him so dangerous is is it right. doesn't matter. It's just the specific avenue he uses. I'm like, yes, oh, definitely, my bud. for sure. Oh, yeah. poor Dooley. Like, who is he going to talk to? <laughs> yes, 100%. I mean, yeah. I think that men have always... Uh, been in a situation where they could uh like whether it's 1946 or 2022 yeah men more men need to go to therapy sure um in fact i mean in general i think more people need to go to therapy i think for sure genuinely it's a thing of even if you think oh i'm super well adjusted i'm doing fine therapy and things like that actually are not necessarily just for people who are like severely afflicted by things it you know it can help and be beneficial to have those kinds of conversations with people uh about a number of things right you know it's a little bit of that conversation of like when sometimes people feel uh well i'm not deserving of that kind of help i don't i don't have it as bad as some other people right just because like someone else is hurting like let's say worse per se Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're not hurting yeah. Right. Even if it's less, you still deserve like a band aid. Even if the guy next to you uh, has broken his leg. Right. Right. He can get his cast, and you can get your band aid. It doesn't sure. have to be you know exclusive of each other. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So talk to a doctor today. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. This episode Absolutely. is brought to you by therapy. <laughs> get help. No. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, I shouldn't say it like that. That was weirdly aggressive and reductive at the very last second, but. Here is act three of today's episode. Dooley escorts Evchenko to the elevators. This is where Dooley struggles. Mm -hmm. He tries to break free of the hold uh, and to not let Evchenko take what he wants. But unfortunately, the doctor's power is too strong. He takes the item and hands the vest to Dooley. They talk about coming to an agreement about finishing the work that has to be done and that Dooley needs to go see his family. Evchenko simply walks outside and he and Dottie get away with ease. Thompson frees Carter and Jarvis. We see Dooley go home and talk to his son and his wife. Dooley is calm and still feeling the effects of the mental control as he mentions that he just let Evchenko walk right out and he didn't stop him. They have an emotional moment together. They 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 talk about the job and, you know, this this moment and all these other things and it it comes to a head as they uh hug as uh their son who has been, you know, painting a birdhouse uh begins to, you know, piece it together. And when I say piece it together, sorry, I should I should be specific. He is uh, putting a, a nail into the wood and is you know, hitting it with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that's not exactly what's happening. 
that hammer hitting the nail is actually the people in the office of the SSR knocking on the door to Dooley's office. The moment is a lie. He is locked in his office, you know, face down on his desk, and Dooley is wearing the vest that uh, that they had found in the lab, and it has some coils uh, within it that are now bright orange. Jarvis has everyone back up as Dooley comes out. Dooley recognizes that Ivchenko is gone. Jarvis mentions that Dooley is wearing a prototype for a new armor. How do we get it off of him? I'm afraid it's not quite that simple. Please don't touch. It was designed to also act as a heater in the cold western fronts of the war. Locking the armor activates a self-sustaining battery. Thompson recognizes that means that there is a flaw. All of Stark's tech, you know, that gets stolen or that isn't being, you know, used or whatever has a flaw, right? It's like, this never, like, clearly we haven't heard of this, which means that it never saw the light of day. So there has to be a flaw, right? (laughs) It's a prototype for a reason. Right. Jarvis tells him that the power source is experimental, unstable, and incredibly flawed. It overheats with explosive results. As, the, uh, as they all begin a search to find the scientists that they had you know, dismissed earlier to try and fix this, Sousa across the street finds the dead dentist and all of the notes from Dottie about the timetable, the new target, the evacuation, etc. In the headquarters, Dooley tells them that Evchenko had him steal something from the lab. You can't let him talk to you. If he starts talking to you, he got you. Dooley is overheating. He's sweating up a storm, and shaking, struggling to maintain his composure. He's, you know, like leaned up against someone's desk, right? Barely, you know, like even with that pressure kind of relieved from his feet, he's barely standing, right? Right. Uh, they search for answers, but there are none. There is no going back. The vest is locked and it is heating up more and more. Um... They, they, again, they discuss more options and eventually the scientist just says, I, I don't know what to do. Dooley says, I know what to do. He asks for a hand and, you know, tries to stand upright. And when Thompson approaches to, to help him up, Dooley takes his gun. He forces them all to take steps back. Tell my wife, tell her, I'm sorry. I missed dinner. He turns to Carter and says, And you? Promise me you'll get the son of a bitch who did this. She nods. Say it. We'll catch them. The coils begin to flash. At a girl. He gives her a nod of respect. The coils flash faster and faster and then suddenly go solid again and begin to buzz. He takes off running, shooting the glass of the end of the office as he runs. They all yell after him. He dives out of the window, and one second later, the explosive result happens, rocking the building and the people below. And that's the end of the time clip. Mm. Whew. That's, that is an emotional scene, an emotional yeah. moment. Um, there's, I think a few things to unpack and to discuss, uh, but, uh, obviously since I just spent some time talking plot and also need to sit here and reflect on the loss of Dooley for a moment, uh, James, what do you got? Um, so 
I think that in a way, this Ivchenko character is a li- well. I think you can look at it through a lens of the uh, power and um, the, the the effects of good therapy and bad therapy. With good therapy, we mm. see uh, the soldier who is able to get amputated and like go into a memory and like the and, and feel and you know sort of not need anesthesia and not feel pain. So you can take that away from a literal meaning and like it it helps you figure out how to deal with your pain through like a meditation sort of area using your powers for good versus right now then we see him use it on yauk and dooley yauk goes down and you know has a drink and walks in front of a truck dooley literally explodes therapy when used poorly has disastrous effects because you're in these people's minds and you get to a point where if you have given you've got if you've gotten them into a state where they think that you know x y and z is true or they they you know the hope is gone Mm -hmm. or whatever it's you know it's a it's a death sentence for them and i think that like the you know the vest is like a you know is is symbolic as well in that like you know right. it's all it's you can't remove it people can't at that point people can't help you get it off right it's you know there's it's hopeless and so you know it it's if you start looking at it through that lens it becomes sort of an interesting look at you know People, you know, during the war and post-war, you know, therapies, good and bad, sort of even just coping mechanisms, good and bad. You could say Yachenko isn't an actual therapist, but rather just sort of like post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like how it can just fester in there and just like tell you things that just gets it into the control room and, and, and then you're a goner. I think there's also something fascinating about how, you know, he also sort of um, portrays himself as their friend, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a lot to be said about people who act as though they are a friend to you, right? Yeah. Uh, but what they're really doing is is it's um, when they listen to you, it's not actually to, like, let you vent and stuff like that. It's for them to find that thing that they can manipulate that thing that they can use against you um i'm it's not obviously only something that happens in high school right or that it doesn't happen only there but like i I think i might have worded it wrong the first time but it's that thing of i i think about you know how often uh in high school uh or even you know now uh when i've done things like you know alumni talkbacks and you know you talk with students about um, you know, how life is different, you know, outside of high school and all that other stuff. And you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, fake friends mm. and, you know, someone that maybe you put your trust in that you shouldn't because, you know, you think that they're there for you, but it turns out it's like, you know, you tell them that like, um, you know, you have feelings for this one person and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then what they do is they end up finding a way to then like publicly humiliate you 
um, hmm. and like in front of that person or whatever, right? Like, hmm. yeah. Um, I'm being slightly vague, and it's not that it, because I'm like not trying to share a specific example. It's just more of that like when I'm being vague, I'm trying to be as wide on the topic as I can because I think a lot of us have experienced that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's what this is, right? Like when he's listening and or asking them these questions and he's saying things like, you know, like he's like, and, and, and sorry, to be clear, it's also that thing of like when they come into the office and he's like, well, I shouldn't be talking to you about these things, right? And Dooley, for example, tries to pull him to another topic, but he's like, no, 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 we should talk about your family, right? Yeah. It's like It's like purposefully pushing someone to get into a specific conversation right. and then again listening but not necessarily for a good reason but to be like right what's the like what's the juicy little nugget that i can now use against him right right and mm. uh, i think that like that has uh a lot to do with a uh, still kind of like again like a therapy and toxic masculinity type thing uh, as well like just the concept of like you know the fact that uh Back then, especially, right, men probably, I mean, I, I I think men probably still find a hard time with discussing things. Like uh, the suicide rate in uh, men is wildly high, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes down to a lot of the same thing, right? Of like not necessarily feeling like they can talk about their emotions or whatever. But right. I, I think of like all the times where it's like back then, it was like the moment that you found out that someone wasn't quote unquote strong people immediately use that against them and yep. like you know threw it at them uh and like in a workplace like you know people might use that as like a reason for someone to get passed over so that they can move up i yep. mean it's just i mean you see it in in movies and tv shows and books or whatever all the time but like it's not that they do that just for for funsies like it's like it's based on a real life situation right yep absolutely um, and uh i don't know there's just something about you know the concept of like this guy who tells you he's your friend mm. and it's like, but it's, it's that thing of, you know, as a, as a viewer, you know, you always have that outside perspective of like, no, yeah. no, he's not your friend. You're yeah. like, you gotta stop. But like, you that know, they keep doubling yeah. down. Yeah. You, you watch it unfold in front of you, but like they're too late to figure it out. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was a thing that I forgot happened in this section where I mean there's definitely like the 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 scientist that's like I don't I don't know I don't know what to do. Yeah. And like I you know I feel that for sure cuz I feel like a lot of times it's like but you're a scientist what what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Surely there's something to be done and you can do it just figure it out. I don't know it's a weirdly somber moment because it's like it, you know when Krzminski died and when Yauk died, it was like, yeah, like sort of like we were saying before, where it's like, well, yeah, I mean, some pawns have to be sacrificed. Some pawns don't make it to the end of the game. Right. But Dooley is, you know, huge. He should have had, there, yeah. there, there has to be, there. you know, so many layers had to be broken through to get to him. And, and he's just all of a sudden gone. Like what's, what's supposed to happen? I think that that's also, again, I think a, a, a good indicator, or not a good indicator, sorry, I think it's an indicator of good writing for this show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of the times what you find in um, 
in TV shows and movies and stuff like that. Like the amount of times where people are like, well, how come none of the heroes ever just get like randomly shot right. by like a stormtrooper or whatever? And it's like, well, th- there's plot armor, you know, sure. which is not a physical thing, right? It's sure. like this concept of like, listen, we know that this person has to get to the final moment of the, like imagine episode four when they're on, you know, the first, first death star and like, you know, they're trying to break Leia free or whatever. If Luke just gets, you know, fucking domed, <laughs> right? That's the end of the series, right? That's it's gone. It's done. It's not it's not going anywhere, right? Like right. because they're not gonna get off the thing. Obi-Wan will be like, oh wait, hang on. I, now I gotta live or whatever. <laughs> oh, you know, shit. Like, yeah, oh uh, shit. Let's get on the Oh, I was not planning to mm, I could maybe take Vader, but the emperor that uh, too too much for Ooh, yeah i have some news for you come over here right yeah and, he, and he's going boop 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 yoda uh <laughs> listen old friend uh, have you considered mm, yoda on the smartphone yeah i was like mm, troubling this is <laughs> helmet you did not give him and he's like i didn't think he it took it off food. immediately yeah <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's true. actually, he was wearing a helmet at one point. And he's like, the pretty woman told him, you know, you're short for a stormtrooper, and he had to prove he was a man. By taking off his helmet and whining at her right. a bunch. Also, it's really weird because he was like, oh, she's hot. That's his sister. <laughs> Crazy, you'll never find that out, though, am I right? Anyway, you still down to watch the game on Sunday? And he's like, mm, yes. Bring buffalo wings. And he's like, mm, okay, I'll bring buffalo wings, celery, carrots, ranch. And he's like, blue cheese, just for reference. And he's like, all right. Anyway, this is a whole bit that I've gone into. Uh, thanks for coming to my stand-up, uh, my tight five. I've been mm. Colin Parker. Uh, I'll catch you guys next time or whatever. Oh. Find me on TikTok or something. Tight five. Um, all right. Yeah, <laughs> tight five, huh? Uh, not even close. Uh, so, no, I, but I think, though, that, uh, shit, where had I? No, plot armor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so plot armor, though, is that thing. And, like, I think that a lot of the times plot armor would have you believe that someone on the level of Dooley um, is not capable of being sacrificed. Right. But I also think in this moment, though, is it's a vital moment for so many different reasons. Right. But I think the main one that I like have to point to is that there's this moment of distrust and everyone is like, okay, Peggy can't be trusted. She's this evil person. She's, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But once they piece it together and they all understand the full thing, the problem is, is that uh, it's kind of twofold. One like, I mean, it is kind of related to the plot armor thing, but like in this moment, it's like, this is not Dooley's thing to solve. This yeah. is Peggy's, right? Right. He and passes it is, the torch. Exactly. He and it is literally passing the torch, right? And it's it's key too, because he doesn't what when he tells, you know, Thompson, tell my wife I'm sorry that I missed dinner, right? He then doesn't say, and you better get this son of a bitch, right? Yeah. He turns to Carter. Yeah. It is Carter that he's like like it, we had a conversation recently about whether or not he fully believed in her and all this other right. stuff. And regardless of how you know we felt in that moment, I think that sure th- what now. you yeah, as I say, no matter what uh, what your thoughts are on when he started believing, whether it was fully or just a little bit, for right. sure, here and now, 
he has fully come to, and I think part of it is because he knows he's like moments from death. Right. And I think there's a clarity in that. Right. And of kind of looking around that room and going, there is no one I trust more than Peggy Carter to do this, to get it done and to understand what, like what needs to happen. But he also takes the, takes the, the last moments of his life to hear her. I want to yes. hear you say it. Yes. And that, I had never put that together before, but he's like, you, you know, I investigated because no one listens to me. He's like, last seconds of my life, the last thing I'm going to do is hear your voice and listen to it and trust it. That is fascinating because in my head, I hadn't made the connection to that line. In my head, part of where this was coming from was thinking of all the times that he told her like, God, I wish I could shut you up. Because right? Right. she, she, you know, anytime she did talk to him, she's like, you know, she was talking a mile a minute and he's like, oh, yeah. God, you talk so much, Carter, right? Like, you this know, is like, you. Uh, this is know, how like, you should be. Exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, shared credits between these things. There um, are. So, but it is it is a little bit of that, right? And to be yeah. clear, uh, what we just referenced, if since you can't see us, there's a moment in Master of Skies where he's doing the hand, like, is talking Right. Yeah. He's like, this is what you're doing. And he says, this is what I want you to do. And then he shuts the mouth. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that's what's happening. Right. And I feel like it's the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. This whole time he's kind of like, ah, Carter, you're busted. I don't know why I'm doing the Carter. Sorry. He right. doesn't have that accent. But he's like, Carter, you, you busted my balls. Right. Like yeah. that kind of thing. It's like, you know, like get off my back. And then you're know, like lay off or whatever. <laughs> but finally, it's almost like a thing of like, it's almost like a thing of like, he says it bothers him, but to some extent. It's kind of nice. It's comforting. Right. It's like it's Absolutely. some. It's their thing, yeah. and now it's like, don't shut up on me now, right? Yeah. You know, because, and it's also a fascinating thing about her as well, right? That like she is almost always calm, collected, and you know, ready to go. I mean, like think of like Jack doing the the thing about like that deals off the table. She's like, that's fine. I wasn't going to take it anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. But in this moment, like usually Carter has an answer or a way out of something. And when they have that conversation of like, there is no way out of this. Yeah. Or rather there is, but there's only one. Yeah. And it only happens, I want to say like two, maybe three times in all of Agent Carter where she, when she doesn't have the power anymore. Yeah. Where she just sort of, it's not exactly that she shuts down. Yeah. But she goes quiet. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is about, you know, trying to keep it together and not, be emotional in that moment. But like, it's interesting because I can't think of another time in this show, or at least uh, up until this moment where someone has said something to her. And the only thing that she could do was nod. Yeah. Um, even when, when Jarvis was saying the stuff about like, you have to let people help you. Like it doesn't matter how noble you are and how much you want to help. You have to let people help you. She was like, well, Okay, well, carry on then. Like, you right. know, like she, she immediately a had a, sm- yeah. a snarky thing to say, even as she took the note. Like, right. Yeah. But yeah. And like, also, no one, like, it would have been so easy for, for him to say, and, and Carter, make sure you, you catch the son of a bitch, and Thompson to say, we will, chief. Everyone right. in the office knows what's up. He said Carter. Right. That means Carter, not like, Carter and then if anyone else is gonna speak it's, up now yeah or forever hold your peace and then he's like chief listen I've always wanted to tell you and then he's like no no Jack <laughs> I rub my feelings yeah 
<laughs> he takes Jack's gun. He does. He that's that's the gun he uses to break that final window. Which means that Jack now has to live with that for the rest of his life. No, um, I'm kidding. That's definitely not the thing. <laughs> I mean, I it's I can't remember off the top of my head if he specifically looks at Jack when he says, "You know, like help me up." Yeah, I just think that Jack is the closest person in that moment. Like emotionally, but, but also like physically. Right. But also, you know, do you think that Jack was also like, you couldn't think of any other way of breaking the news to me that you could that you were going to like stick with your wife and not come to me? And he's like, ooh, well, would you look at the time? <laughs> and they're, they're like, actually, wait, we have a way to. No, it's fine. It's cool. I'll just go. No. No, I, la, 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 yeah. la. Yeah. I was like, I'm not listening. Science doesn't, you know, help me. It's boring. Blah, I'm blah, confused blah. by my bisexuality. Bye. <laughs> sexuality. Like, if I just gone to therapy, I could have figured it out. <laughs> you know, and it's like that's kind of like his way out. But I mean, I mean, yeah. look, we're making jokes. But to be clear, like it's, yeah, it's traumatic. And like yeah. it's the first time I ever watched this show. The, I mean, kind of like we were talking about. Like I was fooled into believing that he was not a piece that could be, uh you know, uh, 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 sacrificed. Yeah. I think another interesting thing about this to kind of bring it back to this, this moment and to be serious, right. Is that I got very emotional about it because again, they do a very good job of, of, I mean, I kind of always liked him, even though I knew he was like, there was a little bit of jerk stuff there. I was kind of like, okay, he does remind me of Phillips and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And there was something that was still somewhat harm, you know, like heartwarming about him and stuff like that. But, um, in particular, in the last two episodes uh, here, right, he really, you know, you really warm up to him. Absolutely. And what? Colin. <laughs> I, I realized after I said it that that was not the right choice of words. I was like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that is genuinely what happened. Yeah, right? no, for and sure. And I think the very first time I was watching, it made me realize something of, like, if you want to look at it as chess, right? The fascinating thing about this is that a lot of the times if you're looking at a show uh, that is about like, let's say like a government agency, right? A director is usually involved kind of thing, but the director is usually not like around the team as much as Dooley is. So a lot of the times like, okay, if you're going to go with like NCIS, right? And I only know this one off the top of my head because my parents used to watch it a shit ton back in the day. But yeah, that guy Gibbs, right? Gibbs was kind of the dually in this situation, right? Right. Um, And he was like the the head of the team. And then you had your three people on your team. And that's, you know, Carter, Thompson, Jack, right? And the thing is, is that like, you know, that sometimes people on that team could die or would die, but Gibbs never could, right? Right. Because he was like the main star, right? But what's interesting is, and I had to realize this, is that it's like an interesting and clever sort of bait and switch type situation because it's her show right yeah and she's a main character and like you know that but to some extent if you're looking at a chessboard you kind of see her as like still a high important part and like she's the main character but that doesn't necessarily make her like for lack of a better term like the king right like what would be a a checkmate you know if she died or whatever but like you kind of believe that Dooley is right but then when you really think about it she is she is the king. In the end, he might be the queen piece. 
right? Or maybe maybe one of the bishops or something, right? Like he's it. You think that they are like this, and this is me representing two spots, right, uh, with my hand. And now I'm going to flip it and say, but they're actually this, right. right? So in the end, you go, we can't sacrifice that final piece. So I have to put myself in the line. Yeah. Right. And it's this fascinating moment of you thinking that they're, in a, to some extent, they're always protecting him. But that's not the case at all. Yeah. Really, he's sort of been protecting a lot of them a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, think of the Ray Krasminski thing of like, right. I'm not losing another one of you and all that other right. stuff. Another one, yeah, another one of you. Oh, oh he did then he did then you lose Yoke, so I guess. But was Yauk in the room when he said that though? <laughs> I'm not losing another one of. He goes, and he you. goes. I'm not losing Yuck, another one of. And he just sort of kind of puts his hand up a little bit to kind of put him out of his eye line and goes, "Any one of you?" And Yauk and Yauk like, does the Thor into the mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the Stormbreaker. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think it was Mission Impossible because, of course, it was. Of course, there's a <laughs> there's something inside. And of course, this is a, what I'm about to say. Uh, figuring on a source does not need to be said because it's a cliche sort of thing. But like the idea that killing someone is not the worst thing you can do to someone, mm. like that taking everything from them yeah. and making oh, them sure. feel guilty that they did, couldn't do more is way worse. Absolutely. And that's that feels sort of like Ivchenko's like like Peggy Carter's the star of the show, and look all look at all the crap that she can't prevent. And I mean, we'll get into it later, but it's like it's it's this interesting thing of he's trying to do that for someone else already, right? And then it's that thing of okay, if you're gonna try and get involved on this type of level, I will come for you as well. So shall I do some Avengers Ensemble real quick? We have some bit Yeah, let's do here. some Avenger, Avengers Ensemble, yeah. All right. Uh, if everyone who is is stoked about learning about uh, who plays uh, the daughter of Roger Dooley, you know, let's This just, is not the show uh, let's, for you. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's not hold our breaths. Avengers Ensemble. Uh, the sales lady at the baby store is played by a woman named Lisa Pescherine or Pescherine. Uh, I said nothing particularly geeky, but she was in one episode of Euphoria? Question mark. I don't know how geeky that is, but you know Zendaya's it's, in it. It's and she's in pop Spider-Man. culture, I would say. Yeah, you know, pill pop culture. Um, yeah. and let's see, Loretta Dooley, that is uh, Dooley's wife, is played by a woman named Sarah Bloom. She was in one episode of Bones, or as we're calling it, mm-hmm. Lady Mentalist, and. <laughs> We can't say that, James. <laughs> okay. Woman mentalist. Um, so <laughs> Oh man. Non-male mentalist. Non-mentalist. All right. Emmett Dooley is played by uh, a young man named Lincoln Melcher. Uh he played Dickie in Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Okay. Uh he was in one episode of The Thundermans and he was in Ouija Origin of Evil. I would have called it Ouija or Ouijin of evil, of evil, but they didn't listen to me. Uh, <laughs> Daughter Dooley is unnamed and also uncredited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daughter Dooley. And then uh, Agent Corcoran, or Corcoran, who yeah, is the name. named character that is, his role is to receive a radio transmission and then get fucking killed off screen by Dottie, gets named and credited. 
That's Dan a Sar- long credit on IMDb. Yeah, for sure. Uh, played by a guy named Travis Johns. He was in one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, one episode of Westworld, one episode of Flash Forward, and one episode of The Mentalist. Hey! Um, so, yeah. Um, What's the name of the actor who plays The Mentalist? I forgot. Um, I don't know, but his hair is fantastic. Let me it, look it up it, real no, quick. It really Simon is. something? Yeah. Um, I've been watching it, and like he's fascinating to watch. Simon Baker plays Patrick Jane. Just a whole bunch of first names. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, he should be in a Marvel thing. He, I agree. I agree. He'd be a good like. Oh my um, god! And also uh, Amanda Rigetti. Yeah, who's Grace Van Pelt? Oh, she's man. in. She's come. She's in something. She is. In, she's in a Marvel thing. Yeah. What is she in? Um, let me let me look up real quick. Um, because I was looking up what everyone was in and what what everyone was in. What everyone was in in that is a wild thing I've said. Hold on, one sec. Uh, Amanda Rigetti, because she looks like uh, a character. She looks like an actress that is in Pitch Perfect, and I was like, is that is that the girl? From she Pitch was Perfect? in Captain America: The First Avenger. Right. Yes, she's the Shield agent at the end. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a real shame. That's a real waste of her because, like, well, she's. I mean, well, well, know, secret, secret invasion. She could be all over. Oh, that. maybe, yeah. Because I, I thought she was great in the Mentalist. Aren't you that? Aren't you that woman that woke up Captain America? Am I? What? <laughs> also, Robin Tunney is incredible. Yep, and that uh, is Deb from I, Empire Records to all my elder millennials. I don't uh, know if she's done. I mean, honestly, a whole lot since uh, uh, the 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 show of the Mentalist. Because I mean, I. If, I mean, not that chance again. She probably has. It's just not been in things that I've seen. Yeah, but like, I mean, I mostly know her from like the craft and Empire Records and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, it looks like she's kind of. I mean, she was on a show called The Fix for a little bit. Anyways, anyways, yeah. she's def she's done some stuff. It's just like yeah, yeah, she's not doing as much. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But that's fine. Honestly, I feel like if if you've gone and done some stuff and you got your bag and then you're like, you know what? Why work my ass off forever? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of. I also genuinely respect being like, listen, man. I got For my sure. big paycheck. I'm good. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that is it for my Avengers Ensemble. Just some sort of like you know people we see in dreams and and stuff like that. Sure. And uh, that's it. So I'm gonna take us out of here with just some social media, if that's cool with you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead and raid the Stark Vault. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll I'm gonna just take something small from the Stark Vault, and that is our social media. But it does mm-hmm. a lot of powerful stuff, is the thing. Mm. Um, it has one is flaw. See if you or? can find out what it is. Um, <laughs> it's run by us. <laughs> it's run by us, right? Uh, you can follow our. Uh, all of this is assuming that Twitter still exists when this comes out. ScavengersNetwork.com is a great place to find us on the internet that's not Twitter. But should Twitter still exist, you can find uh, our show on Twitter at Timeline Scav. Uh, you can find our network, the Scavengers Network, not only at scavengersnetwork.com, but also at scavengersnet on Twitter. Uh, you can find me trying to keep it together, trying to share and feel and and let things go and you know take in the love and let out the love at Unabashed James. Colin, where can people go to find out if the deal is still on the table with you? Uh, if you want to find out if the deal is still on the table, you can go to Colin M. Parker on Pretty much any form of social media, uh, Twitter is my main squeeze, so hopefully it is still around. 
Yeah. Uh, but you can still also technically find me. I have reactivated my Tumblr, so mm. I've posted twice. <laughs> uh, there that's it is. It. So, you know, uh, go for it. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, there's one more person that you should uh, you should be following slash following the career of, and that is the composer of the theme song, uh, which is both at the beginning and end of this show, and that is a, a, a gentleman named Nick Bermald. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at uh, N-B-R-A-M-A-L-D or at nickbermald.composer.co.uk. Nick, sorry, nickbermaldcomposer.co.uk. Uh, but that is going to do it for this episode. We are coming to the very end of season one of Agent Carter. I just am so amazed that this season has gone by so quickly. Um, and that is going to do it for today. So uh, as always, I am James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. And if I could just, Colin, if I could just get you to focus on Excelsior. Excelsior. Mm. How's that home life going? <laughs> hey, one second. Let me go see how traffic is. <laughs> oh, no. took a turn that that would that that hit me like a truck